Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to another edition of Leader Manager Coach. My name is Rob Riles and I'm really pleased to be back with you again with another edition. Today what I'd like to give to you is a few key points from a real, real quality publication. This publication is called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and it's written by a gentleman called Patrick Lencioni, L-E-N-C-I-O-N-I, and it's a recent book. It's 2015. I make no apologies for sharing these books with you. They've had real big impacts on, on myself and my practices, and sharing them is a great pleasure. So I make, make no bones about it. I'm really happy to share this kind of stuff, and I know we're all busy. I know we've all got a lack of time and it's a big challenge for for most people. So that's one of the reasons I'm sharing it. This is a great little book and in this book there are a number of key takeaway points and I'm not going to share all of them with you. I haven't got time to share all of them and I think you should uh, actually, if you like these points, invest in the book because if you want to create a great team no matter how big or small or what your environment is, business or sport, as a leader or a manager or a coach, then you won't go, won't go wrong in getting a copy of this book and implementing some of the principles. And just like with the legacy book that I mentioned in a previous podcast about the great all blacks, if you haven't listened to that, you know, certainly um, look on the episode list and um, go and have a listen to the, uh, the legacy podcast. So back to this one, the five dysfunctions of a team. So it's actually taking a negative approach and it's saying these are the five things that will have a negative effect on on your team. So then obviously what we need to do is to take the opposite, the antithesis of those and work on that aspect of it to create the positive effects. These key takeaway points, the first one, just like with the legacy book, as I was mentioning before, before I got sidetracked, is that this is the one that hit me the hardest and because of one word in the title. And the key takeaway is the first dysfunction of a team is an inability to trust one another. Now, have a guess which word stands out there. Well, for me, it's the word trust. Now, I've been impacted enormously massively to a degree that I can hardly comprehend at sometimes that's how big I feel like I've been impacted recently by a gentleman called Jordan Peterson and via another podcast via Rob Moore from Unlimited Success who pointed me in the direction of a certain podcast and that podcast was an interview of a guy called Jordan Peterson in the last six weeks I've hardly been able to tear myself away from the wisdom that Jordan Peterson has been espousing. Now, I'm certainly not going to sit here on this podcast and say that he's right, but 
it's impacted myself and my life to such a degree that I think he's one of the wisest. I think he's one of the most prolific content creators and not only the quantity of his content, but the quality of his content, I'm not sure it can be surpassed in the world. So if you're interested in why, why we do things, why the world operates as it does, and yes, this is a leadership, this, you might think, wow, this is strange, this is, this is a leadership management and coaching podcast. Well, ultimately, everything boils down to very, very similar principles. And one of the things, again, that Jordan Peterson talks about is trust. And he talks about how trust is such a powerful, powerful value or a virtue that it can change the world. And and I, I totally agree with him. Now, we're not necessarily talking about changing the world in one go. But as Peterson alludes to, if you can change your change yourself first and change those or have a positive influence on those around you and create a trusting environment don't underestimate that you are actually changing the world. You are certainly changing the world of those people that you're involved in. So I just want to read you a couple of sentences. The main obstacle to a team building trust is that many people are unwilling to be vulnerable with each other. And the key word in there is vulnerable. And just as it took me an awful long time to give myself up, if I can use that phrase, to actually start to do this podcast and share what was inside me and share what I wanted to say for lots of fears, really, I suppose, then as human beings, we're all very much the same. We've all got fears. And, you know, I strongly believe that it's allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, allowing ourselves to know that we're frail human beings and understanding that that's our nature. It's that demonstration or willingness to be vulnerable is actually our strength it's only the people who hide their vulnerabilities who pretend that they don't exist who will spend so much time and energy covering up and protecting that and creating what people will often term egos to protect that that is a dysfunction and it actually is a negative on a team creation so Players and athletes and managers and coaches and people in a team, leadership, non-leadership, ground worker, whatever you want to call it, need to learn to trust each other. And there needs to be a glue of trust that holds things together. For without that trust, if your team members are not willing to engage and give themselves and commit because they don't believe that the other people in the organization are not trustworthy then you will never achieve success. So it's really worth spending some time to develop trust. And I think that that trust ultimately has to be a give from you first. If my players believe I have their best interests at heart, then they will trust me. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So if they know that your actions are for their benefit all the time because you are a trustworthy person and a leader just like Mourinho talks about when he says that his players would go to the end of the earth for him, his Chelsea players, when he was probably at his most spectacular success, then you have something that's ultimately powerful. And I think an awful lot of the great coaches will tell you the same thing. So it's creating that trust, number one. 
The second standout key takeaway from this book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team for Me. The fourth dysfunction is unwillingness to hold other team members accountable. I'll read you another couple of sentences. When all the members of a team fail to commit to a team decision or a plan of action, many are reluctant to hold accountable others whom they view as dropping the ball or telling other team members that their actions or behaviours are going against the collective good. I can relate to this in the fact that I've been involved in organisations whereby I've seen things go on, I'm not happy about what's gone on, I do believe that other individuals haven't stepped up to the plate and haven't done what they ought to have done. And instead of voicing my opinion, truthfully, honestly, and in an environment of safety, I've gone and spoken to one or two other individuals who I know I've got an affinity with, and we've had our little, and I'll call them losership meetings, and it was just getting things off my chest, but it was essentially talking about other people who I didn't think and they didn't think were doing what they should have been doing. I don't know how many of you can relate to that. So how many of us avoid conflict by not openly, truthfully standing up and having the difficult verbalization or conversation and then prefer to go and talk about the situation or the person with somebody else. And Peterson, again, Jordan Peterson talks about this to a massive degree, and he talks about one of the things that you can do in your life is to speak the truth and talk the truth or your truth, whatever it is, no matter what the consequences are. So if you believe something to be true, if you can learn to communicate that truth in a kind, a strong and assertive way, that gets your message over, then you will earn a great deal of respect for that and it will resolve the issue far, far, far better than having what I call, as I've been involved in, hold my hand up and say, yeah, I've done that, a little losership meeting where I talk about other people and say, I don't think they're doing this and I don't think they're doing that and it's not fair and it's not this. And that has never, ever resolved anything. The next dysfunction that stood out for me in this book was the inability to focus on collective goals as opposed to individual goals. Now, this is a massive one for team sports. So if you're a coach of an athlete, one athlete, you may be a swimming coach, an athletics coach, and you may have one individual that you are coaching. And I I suppose, not having ever been in that situation, that the success of that individual, for example, achieving a gold medal at a a Games, is synchronous with success. Now, in a team sport, it's not as simple as that. Now, yes, if you take a footballer and that footballer's goal is to win, you know, we can choose any, win a league title, become top of the league, win a game, whatever it is, to get that medal, if that player wins a medal for that team winning the championship, by default, it means if the player's got the medal, the team has got the medal. There's something not quite right. It doesn't sit quite correct. It doesn't sit comfortably with me. And I know there's a lot of coaches who would say the same, that if in a team sport like football, that you've got an individual player 
who is obsessed with him or her personally winning a medal, then that is going to have only a negative effect on the team. Because if it comes to the crunch, it's highly likely that that individual will be more concerned with them getting selected, even if they're injured, even if they're not on top form, above and beyond a teammate, even if they know that on that day another teammate can do a better job than them, then that will have a negative effect. So by getting players, by getting team members, by getting buy-in to collective goals and the team becoming more important, the group becoming more important and the achievement of a collective goal becoming more important than something that I want personally or the player wants personally or the manager wants personally or the coach wants personally, that will achieve so much more. I heard a great discussion, I'll mention him again, a guy called Rob Moore, who has been heavily involved in this podcast, Getting Started, who talked about a very successful businessman who has talked, has got two great podcasts out himself, um, and you can check those out by following his work, no problem. And, you know, you won't go wrong listening to his podcasts. He talks about, he's in business, he's got a business partner that he's been in business with for, for 10 or 12 years. And they're very, very successful. And he now says that he gets masses amount of positive emotion from the fact that when he goes out and is successful in his business ventures, in his part, his role and responsibility in the business, that automatically makes money for his partner and his partner's family. And he says, I now get more pleasure out of that than you can possibly imagine. So put yourself in a scenario, in, in, in a scenario, and genuinely put yourself in this scenario. And there you are in your endeavor. And you've achieved the level of success that you aspire to, that you, that you dream of. Nothing wrong in wanting to do that, by the way. And the greatest amount of pleasure that you've got is for the other people in your organization. And... Going back to the late great Shanks, that's what Shanks used to talk about when he talked about the people of Liverpool. He said that his greatest joy came from bringing happiness, as he called it, to the people of Liverpool because of the success of the Liverpool team. And yes, as a he would automatically be successful because of that. Of course he would. But it's a different mindset than saying, you know, I want to be X, Y, Z, and I'm not really concerned with the other people in my team or my organization or the people that contribute towards the whole, if you like. So it's about getting focused on collective goals. Not an easy thing to do. Okay, the next great takeaway from this little book. The main ingredient for team members' commitment is for every member of the team to have a say in the decision-making process. Now, this stood out for me because I thought, ooh, I thought leadership was about somebody making a decision and getting that decision implemented. And I'm sure that there are masses and masses of organizations where that happens. And I'm not saying that's wrong because it will create success. But if if you can get buy-in, I've used that phrase before in the podcast, if you can get buy-in from every member of the team, 
so that every team member thinks, knows, and feels that their contribution is valid, is worthwhile, and is taken into consideration. So that the process is something that they've been involved in creating, then what it's saying is that you will have far more success. So if you pay people to be compliant, so if you're a leader, you've got a business, and you pay people to do what you say, it's totally possible, as it has been proved over many hundreds of years, if not thousands, more than that, and in sports, that financial or some other kind of reward will motivate people to do certain things that will achieve success. What this book is saying and what this key takeaway point is saying is that if you can get team members to contribute and get them to buy into the process, you will have far more compliance. You will have a far more successful team and a team that will be able to overcome adversity because as sure as eggs are eggs, and as sure as life on earth goes on and people live and people die, you will come across masses and masses and masses of adversity. And at some point, if you have a team that is not glued and gelled together because a team member hasn't been involved in the process and is only involved on a fiscal, financial, shallow reward basis, that will be the weakest link in the chain. And that chain will break far far easier and a long time before the chain that involves a group of people who would do absolutely anything because it's not only their reward system that's keeping them there it's actually that it is their baby you know this process is all about them because they've been involved in since day one a great little takeaway two more to go it is often necessary to hold team members accountable for their shortcomings to force them to be better team players. This is related to the previous one, is the unwillingness to hold other team members accountable. And in the analysis, it says, holding other team members accountable for their shortcomings in a public setting cannot help but generate discomfort, and the discomfort is universal. This calling out is necessary because its public nature will force faltering team members to try to do better. Now, it's not, in my opinion, it's only my opinion. This is about a, a team leader facilitating accountability to each other. It's not about gross, harsh, personal criticism that takes people down at the knees. It's about not being frightened after a commitment has been made of saying, listen, in the open of your team, so that in a dressing room where everybody can be involved, looking somebody in the eye and saying, listen, pal, listen, friend, I'm involved in this with you and I love you to pieces, but we need you to tell us what it is that's stopping you doing what we know you can do and we'll help you to achieve that. So let's get it out on the table Let's share it and let's sort it out. Now that is holding somebody accountable. And that's showing them down a path where they can become better team players. Now, that's not easy to do. 
And in fact, that's damn difficult to do. And there won't be many teams that have the time or make the time to achieve that. There might be lots and lots of shouting after a game or after a defeat, or there might be ranting and raving. But I can, you can bet your bottom dollar that honesty and openness and accountability between people, between the members of a team, however many that is, it might just be a coach and a player. But in situations where success comes, there will have been that kind of holding to account, believe you me. And the last one that stood out was this one. The ways to overcome an ability to focus on collective goals, including making the goals public and rewarding only those behaviours and actions that lead to achieving the goal. The first step a leader can take to overcome team members' inability to focus on collective goals is to have the team set collective goals that are very specific. The next step is for the leader to emphasise over and over the importance of focusing on collective goals as opposed to individual goals. And collective goals do not have to involve just the bottom line, but they can involve other yardsticks, such as the number of new recruits. So there we have it. A number of real key takeaways from this great little book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. So in summary, just to finish off, trust the absolute fundamental of a team. Trust from every single, between every single team member is the glue that holds it all together. The willingness to hold each other accountable. So accountability for yourself, but willing to stand up and hold your teammates, the people you are with, work with, accountable. Getting that buy-in so that everybody contributes towards those decision-making processes so that the mission is everybody's mission. It's not just the manager's mission or the gaffer's mission or half a dozen key players' mission. Everybody's involved. So real key takeaways that can help you with your team to put, put things together. So if you want to find out about all of them, then um, yeah, go and get yourself a copy of the book, Patrick Lentioni. Summary of the five dysfunctions of a team. You'll definitely get something out of that. Okay, so we've come to the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. There's some deep stuff in there, but uh, well done for staying with it. And uh, I hope you get something out of it. It's been great chatting to you, and I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.